So today is, uh, today is Yom Kippur. It's uh, the, the most holy day of the year. It's, it's uh, the last day. You know, we just did the first of this year, um, at the end of last year and first of this year. You know, we just did, uh, we went through all the festivals, the seven, or the seven feasts, the seven festivals of the Lord. And, uh, you know, we got to the last one, and, and it was the, uh, or, you know, the Feast of Trumpets, was the fourth or the fifth one, I should say, excuse me, and then and then there was a ten day period, and then Yom Kippur, which is the most holy day, the Day of Atonement, and then after uh, and then right after that comes the Feast of Tabernacles, and that finishes up the seven uh, the seven feasts of the Lord. But Yom Kippur is the day, or, or it's called the Day of Atonement. It's called Yom Kippur. It's a couple couple different names, but it was the most. It's called the most holy day because it was the day that the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies, and we know that that was. That was the day that that he, the high priest would take in the you know the the uh, the the blood from from the sacrifice and he would offer it to God and it was the most holy day because it was well it was the one day if you remember it was the one day out of the year that the that the high priest could go into the the presence of God uh, in the you know in the old um, in, uh, in under the old covenant and uh, and still today they still consider uh, this day Yom Kippur. Um, as the most sacred holy day, and they, one of the prayers that they pray uh, is is out of Joel chapter seven or Joel chapter two, excuse me. And there's seven blessings that are in Joel chapter two that they pray and that they believe that that this day, um, as they pray this day, they pray for the whole year coming up. Uh, Ten days ago, uh, the, at the feast of trumpets, that's when the the, the new year started for them. And they prayed during those ten days, and during, and then of course t- ending today, that feast ended today with the with the Day of Atonement. Uh, they pray these prayers over over the new year, and as they pray these prayers over the new year, this is. I just wanted to read this to you, and you can you can look at uh, Joel chapter two, verses twenty three through uh, I think thirty two through the end of the chapter. But in uh, in Joel chapter two, these are the seven prayers that you'll see. Uh, in Joel chapter two, the seven things that they believe for, that they're, uh, you know, that they pray over their, them as a nation and over them as a people. So Joel chapter, uh, or actually, I'll just read them out to you. Joel, Joel chapter two, and verse twenty-three, uh, they believe that that they'll receive a double portion from the Lord, twice the power of every blessing. Uh, the second one is is Joel two twenty-four that they'll experience fi- financial overflow like the threshing floor of Joel 2.24. The third one is what you've lost will be restored. That's Joel 2.25. The fourth one is that they'll experience an explosion of miracles in, in their lives, um, wondrously, as Jesus says in Joel 2.26. The fifth one is the divine presence of Jesus himself will be in your midst, uh, Joel 2.27. The sixth one is increased revelation knowledge will pour into your life and angels will camp around your children, Joel 2.28. And then the seventh one is what has stopped or blocked, uh, what has stopped you or blocked you will be banished and you'll be delivered, Joel 2.32. And I love that because that goes right along with a couple of the dreams that I've had in the last couple of weeks. So uh, that's the seven blessings of Joel chapter, uh, Joel chapter 2 that they believe that they pray in Joel, or in uh, on the Day of Atonement, um, the, you know, for, for the New Year, for the, for the Jewish New Year coming up, or the Jewish year, the next year, I should say, 
uh, coming up. So, so you can read that and study that, and that's an incredible study when you see, uh, when you read those and apply those, and you can pray them and believe them for yourself too. Amen. So, uh, so it's good stuff. All right, so let's open up to Matthew chapter nine. I've been um, this week. I've been spending some extra time praying about the message, the services coming up this weekend with Brother Jim, and um, you know, and and we talk about this a lot, but. Um, you know, one of the things that we have to realize is that, um, and I, I love, uh, Keith Moore talks about this a lot. Keith will, Keith, like before he starts any of his messages, he'll, he'll, uh, he'll ask the, he'll ask the congregation, he'll say, you know, now y'all, are y'all believing with me? He said, because you know, your part is just as important as my part. And, you know, and, and because the, the, you know, the hearer, or I mean the speaker, yes, they do have a part. They, they, uh, you know, they're believing God, they're, they've heard from God. And they've, they've experienced, I mean, you know, they've got the word straight from the Lord. And, and that's important. But how many of you know that you could have the most anointed, the most anointed person, you could have the most anointed message, you could have the, the strongest uh, person delivering it, you could have all that stuff, and still people walk out and not receive anything. And the reason that is is because your part as a, as a hearer is just as important as my part as a sower. You know, in the story, in the story of, the, of the parable of the seed, and we looked at that a couple weeks ago, uh, last week or a couple, two weeks ago, the parable of the seed, you know, the ground is just as important as the seed is. And, you know, so, so how we prepare ourselves will, will play a huge role in what we receive. Now, that's not only true for special meetings. That's true for every time you guys come to church, every time we come to church, every time I'm, every time I'm here, every time you're here. You know, if you come, if you come and you're thinking about 32 other things, and that's easy to do. I know life life gets busy, and we've all got things happening. We've all got stuff going on. And if you're thinking about all kinds of other things, well, you know, chances are that the, when the seed goes in, you know, when the when the sower sows the seed, it's not going to go on very good ground because you're thinking about all kinds of other stuff. And by the time you walk out the door, the enemy's done stole that, and it's not going to produce a harvest in your life. So what do we do? We, you and I, as believers, you and I, as, as as ground, so to speak, you know, we have to prepare our hearts every time that we get ready to hear the word. And actually, to be honest with you, that's true every time we pick up His word. Every morning, every morning when we pick up His word, you know, there's been times, um, at times, and I'm doing it this year too, uh, but at times, you know, I, I've I've uh, challenged myself to read the whole Bible through. And read so many chapters a day, or something like that, or uh, different things, different at different times, different books, and different things. But you know, there's been times where I've spent 30 minutes just sitting down, uh, you know, take, take open up the Bible, and just just start reading, and and read for like 30 minutes. And then when I go to put the Bible up, you know, or whatever, set it down, I start start my day off or something. I think back and I thought, you know, I can't remember one thing I just read. You know what I mean? Because my mind was on something else. I was seeing the words on the page, but man, my mind was somewhere else. And you know what? That, that 30 minutes was really, to be honest with you, was just wasted. Because, because my mind was totally on something else. Now, it's never, never fully wasted because God can still get things in us. But how many of you know it's much better? And I tell people that a lot. It's, sometimes it's much better to take one verse of Scripture and just meditate on it. And to, 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 to meditate on it and to think about it and, and to figure out how you can apply it to your life. And, you know, that, that sometimes is better than reading three or four chapters. 
Because sometimes we, we do find, or I, I have, that when we read, when we read a lot and when, we just, when we're just sitting there reading, if we read it like a, like a novel or like a, like a you know, book like we read for entertainment and we let our mind wander at times, really the word, I mean, it, you know, we could read the whole thing and, and just not really get much out of it. But that's not our goal. My goal, you know, my goal in reading through the entire word is not just to say, not just to be able to say, hey, I read the entire Bible. But my goal is so, you know, listen, I want to hear what God says from the start to the finish. I want to be able to put pieces together. I want to be able to, to, to put this scripture with that scripture. So a lot of times, like right now, to be honest with you, I'm way behind on my, on my yearly thing, you know, if I'm going to finish it by the end of the year, because I got caught up in a couple books you know, in here, and as I was reading it, the Lord started speaking to me, and I, I would spend, sometimes I would spend a whole week on just one or two verses, you know, because God was really just speaking to me, and I was, I was connecting this dot and that dot and going here and there, and, you know, and that's okay, because God's not judging me on whether I read the whole Bible through or not, you know, but, but what we're after, what we're after is creating in us a hunger for the Word. You know, and, and it should be the same way when we come to church. There should be a hunger on the inside of every one of us, regardless of who the speaker is going to be. There should be a hunger in us saying, man, I'm, I'm going to hear from God this morning. And, you know, and, and I'm, going to hear, I'm going to hear from the Lord. And the incredible thing with God is this. You know, he may speak to you, he may speak to you during the worship service. He may speak to you during the announcements. He may speak to you during the sermon. He might speak to you during the invitation. You know, God can, God can minister to you in any part of the service if, if our hearts are ready and willing. It doesn't have to be just one part or just another part. You know, sometimes when people put an emphasis on one, I've heard people say, well, I don't really like worship that much. I really like just hearing the Word. Or I've heard people say, well, I, I, really, I really love worship. And, you know, I, could, you know, I mean, the, the message is okay, but I, I'd really rather just have the, have the worship time. But, you know, that they're making a mistake in that because God, God speaks through, through many different things, through the whole time, you know. And um, so we have to make sure that we, put a, that, we, that we have a right heart attitude going into it. So as I've been praying this week, um, and, and, and this is, I mean, this is nothing new for me, but the word that just kept coming up today in my heart was expectation. Expectation. And, and you know, any time that we have a guest minister... Um, you know, I mean, I, I, I have an expectation and I, because I start, I start asking the Lord um, specifically for each meeting, okay, God, what, what do you want to see happen in this meeting? What, what's your agenda? What's your plan? What's your, you know, what's your purpose for this meeting? And one of the things that, that, we, that you know, Stacy and I both heard as we were praying about these meetings, and, and that's why we kind of put it on Facebook like that, was that this was going to be an encounter weekend. And that, that we're, we're going to encounter God this weekend. And that it's going to be like a fresh encounter. It's going to be like a, um, you know, uh, it's kind of like one of, those, one of those times as I was praying today about it. It was almost like one of those, uh, it, was, it was interesting because uh, yesterday actually my buddy Michael called me and we were talking. And I hadn't talked to Mike in, uh, I mean it had been probably three or four weeks since I talked to him. But you know, but, but Mike's one of those guys that, that uh, uh, he's my pastor friend that used to pastor in Huntersville. He's in Kentucky now pastoring, but but he's one of those guys that we could we might not talk for th- three or four weeks, but we can pick up just like we saw each other yesterday. You know, just one of those connections. And uh, and after I hung up with him, we talked for man, I bet we talked probably for about an hour yesterday. And after we hung up, uh, the the Lord kind of spoke to me, and and, he, and and what I heard just in my spirit rising up in my spirit is like 
He's like, that's what this weekend is going to be. He said, he said, for a lot of people, he said, some people haven't had encounters like this for a long time. But, he said, it's going to be just like, it's going to, be, it's going to pick up right where they left off. And it's going to be that type of encounter to where it's not going to be something totally new, but it's going to be just like a fresh encounter, a fresh time in the, in the presence of the Lord. So I'm excited about that. And I, I'm, I'm looking forward to, um, to seeing what God's going to do. But in saying all that and in praying, here's what the Lord told me. Uh, and here's just what I was speaking up in my spirit, is that we have to have an expectation. We, you know, each one of us, you have to have an expectation. I have to have an expectation. And it's not, and, and here's the thing, you know, if you don't have an expectation, it's not going to affect what I receive necessarily. Now, it could be, because I, and I've always heard, you know, I've always heard people say there, there's one person, you know, there could be one person that's a key to the whole meeting. And sometimes that's right. Sometimes it opens up if somebody obeys the Lord or does something. Uh, you know, sometimes that does open up a service. But here's the thing. Each, you know, God is so, so incredible and so awesome that, that regard, if you're the only one expecting something, you can still get it. Look, look, at, the, look, at, the story, um, look at the story with the, the guy that was paralyzed and had the four crazy, I call them the four crazy friends, you know, where, where Jesus was in a house teaching. The house was so packed that they couldn't get the guy to Jesus. They couldn't get him in there to Jesus. And the friends go up on the roof, tear the roof off, let the guy down through the roof, and he is the only one that gets healed that day. And the Bible says in that, that passage, the Bible says the power of God was there to heal them all. But the one guy was the only guy that got healed. Why? Because he was the only one truly expecting to get healed. The rest of them were there to, to find fault and to you know, to accuse Jesus and to try to, you know, and, and, or maybe they just didn't know and maybe they just, they, you know, they just didn't receive the message or whatever the case may be. But that one guy was the only guy in the whole house to get healed because he had that expectation. So, so I thought of, um, as I was thinking about this, I, this is my, one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. It's in Matthew chapter 9. And, uh, and I love this just because of the, just because of the, way, um, the way it's worded here. So in Matthew chapter 9, verse 27, and we'll read a few verses. Matthew chapter 9, verse 27. <clears throat> Matthew 9, 27. Um, it says this, And when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was come into the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this. And they said unto him, Yes, Lord. Then touched he their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. And their eyes were opened, and Jesus straightly charged them, saying, See that, see that no man knows. But, but I want you to notice here, the, the two blind guys came to Jesus, and they said, and they were saying, you know, they were crying out, Jesus, have mercy on us. Jesus, have mercy on us. And I love the way the, uh, I love the, way the message translation puts it. And then I want to read the Passion as well. In the Message Translation, it says this. In verse 29, the Message says, He touched their eyes and said, Become what you believe. And it happened. They saw. So, you know, I put a, I put a thing on Facebook this, this afternoon and, uh, as, I was, as I was just praying and, and uh, meditating on the Scripture. And I just asked, I asked this question. What if, what if you and I became what we were believing for. 
You know, and the question is, and I, and I put on there, I put this scripture, but, but the question, the, the thing that, the, that, that this scripture always challenges me because here's, here's, here's why it challenges me. It challenges me because so many people, so many people are just hoping and praying that something happens versus, versus truly believing. How, how many of you know there's a big difference between truly believing and just hoping and a praying? You know, because if you're hoping and a praying, you don't know what's going to happen. You know, you don't know what God's will is. You don't know, you know, you don't really, you don't really have an expectation. You're just waiting to see what God's going to do. Uh, the Passion Translation, I read this this afternoon. I don't know that I'd ever read it in this, this translation, but I thought it was pretty good too. The Passion says this. So Jesus asked them, um, it says, you know, the, they were crying out to him. And it says that Jesus left the house. Uh, two blind men followed him, saying, shouting over and over, Son of David, show us mercy and heal us. And they followed him right into the house where Jesus was staying. So Jesus asked them, Do you believe that I have the power to restore sight to your eyes? And they replied, Yes, Lord, we believe. Then Jesus put his hands over their eyes and said, You will have what your faith expects. Now, boy, isn't that something? You will have what your faith expects. So let me just ask you this question tonight. What are you expecting? What is your faith expecting tonight? Now, when I ask that, it's easy for us to think, because, you know, here, here's, here's, I mean, I'll just, I'll just tell you about me. I won't talk about you. You'll get mad at me if I talk about you. But for me, <laughs> you know, for me, it was almost kind of like a, uh, a gut punch this afternoon. Because when, when, cause when, when I kind of heard that question, and, and I asked that question to myself, what, what are you really expecting? You know, in other words, if I'm expecting something, if I'm expecting you to come to my house, if we make plans and I, I expect you to come to my house, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to clean the house, I'm going you know, to cook supper, or Stacey's going to cook supper, you know, we'll have the house clean, the, the, the supper cooked, or whatever we're going to do, you know. In other words, I will prepare... If I'm expecting you to come, I will prepare like you're going to be there. Right? So, so when I read this scripture, here's the, thought, here's, here's the question that was asked. Uh, the Lord asked me. He said, what are you truly expecting? And then I started to answer. I, I started to say, well, I mean, just immediately I had, I had something I was about to say. And he interrupted me and he said, he said no, no. He said, he said, before you answer, he said, what have you been preparing for? And I was kind of like, you know, I had, to st I had to take a step back. And I had to say, well, um, I really had to ask myself, what have I been preparing? Now, I'm praying for some things. I'm believing for some things. Um, but really and truly, have I been expecting? Have I been, really, have I been really preparing? You know, have I been really preparing? Have I been really uh, getting myself prepared for what God is going to bring into my life? And you know, and and to be honest with you, the, I had to answer. I had to answer that and say, you know what, I, I, there's there's some things I'm that I had in my heart that I'm believing for, but I hadn't really been expecting them. I hadn't really been preparing for them like I need to. Now I may have I may have done it. I may have been preparing for them when I first started believing. You know, when it first hit me, when when I first started saying, yeah, I need to believe. I won't believe God for that. But then after a day, a week, a year, a couple years. It kind of just it kind of got off to where to where now I, I still say yeah I'm believing for that, but I'm not I'm not preparing for it anymore. 
you know, it's kind of off in the distance, and I'm, I'm just sitting here saying, well, God, whenever you want to do that, you know, I'll be good with it. You know, my dad, my dad used to, uh, you know, I grew up Southern Baptist, and, and, uh, and, uh, and mom and dad have always supported me, and I and I've never they've never, I mean you know they've always they've always supported me, and and when I when I left the Baptist church, and went into the charismatic side and, and full gospel, um, you know some of the things that I started talking to them about, I could tell that my mom was a little bit more open to it because she, because I had an uncle that was a full gospel minister, so she was she had kind of seen those things. My dad had always been you know he was raised like in a Baptist church and. And never really been exposed to the the full gospel things, so my dad would always my dad would always kind of bucket a couple things. Now he never would come out and and tell me I was wrong or or anything like that. But but I could tell that some a couple things didn't settle well with him. Well, the non, you know actually he didn't he didn't have as big of a deal with the tongues thing as he did with with uh, divine healing. And here's why: my dad would always say this. My, and and I, I mean, you know, anytime I would talk to Dad about it, he would always say this, well, I'm not going to lie about it. If I'm sick, I'm sick. You know, I'm not going to say I'm, 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 I'm healed if I'm not, you know, if I'm sick, I'm sick, you know. And, and I, I never could get through, I mean, and, and I never could get through to my dad that's like, Dad, I'm not telling you to lie about it. I'm just telling you to agree with what God's Word says. Yes, your body may be sick, but God's Word says, that you know he paid the price for that so so healing is yours so claim that healing you know and and so so he always struggled with he always struggled and and when my dad would pray he believed in healing now he believed that god he 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 you know his prayers was always kind of like uh where where uh where he wasn't um how do i say this he wasn't necessarily uh in his prayers anyway he wasn't necessarily 100% convinced that it was god's will in other words, it always be well, God. I know, I know you heal. I know you're a healer, and I know that you want to heal me. So whenever you're ready, whenever you know, whenever you see fit, then God, I just I'll accept that. I'll receive that. You know, so it never was. It never was. I receive it right now. It was always off in the future. God, whenever you want to do that, I receive it. You know, type thing. So, so it never was a. It never was an expectation. <clears throat> it never was an expectation for you know right now. It was always something to be put off in the in the future. So, so for us now, the Bible also tells us that if we're going to receive anything from God, what does the Scripture say? He says if we're going to receive anything from God, we got to believe that God is, and that God is a rewarder, right? And 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 that means that He's a rewarder today. That that if we're believing, if we're going to believe God, then we got to believe that He'll do it today, not. Not tomorrow. I, I love uh, Andrew Womack. This is the best story that, I mean, the best way I could illustrate this, of, of showing people's beliefs. Andrew Womack one day, uh, uh, he was in a meeting, and I was, I was watching this, this meeting, and uh, I, wasn't, I wasn't there personally. I was watching it on a video. But he asked the question. He said, how many of you believe that, how many of you believe that, God, is a, uh, that, that God is a healer? You know, and, of course, everybody raised their hand because, I mean, you know, this is one of his meetings, so... Everybody raised their hand. He said, now, how many of you believe that God can raise the dead? Well, I mean, you know, probably about 75% of the people or 80%. Some people, you know, I don't know about that now, you know. And then he asked this. He said, he said, let me ask you this question. He said, how many of you believe that God can use me to raise the dead? Well, about probably about half the church, you know, half of them, or maybe, maybe still about three quarters. And then he said, all right, let me give you this example. 
He said, what if, he said, what if a guy sitting about halfway down the aisle here fell over dead in the, in the, in the aisle there? And he said, uh, he said how, many of you, how many of you could agree with me as I go and lay hands on him that God could raise him up from the dead? Well, you know, like I said, the majority of the people said, I'd believe with you, I'd believe with you. And then, and then he asked this question. He said, now, he said, how many of you would believe, uh, you know, how many of you could believe that the guy sitting beside him could lay hands on him and raise him up from that? Well, then about, you know, half the hands went down because, well, I don't know that guy. I don't know who he is. I don't know how, what he believes. And then, and then he asked this question. He said, now, let me ask you this. He said, how many of you believe that you could lay hands on him and raise him from the dead? And he only got just a handful of people raise their hands. Now, see, that's a problem. Because the Scripture says if we're going to receive anything from God, we've got to believe, number one, that God is. And in that, in that, in that scenario, we've got to believe that God is a resurrector, I mean, that He can raise the dead. But, we also, but the Scripture says that we've got to believe He is, and it didn't say or... It said, and, in other words, there's two parts to that. If you're going to receive anything from God, you've got to believe that God is who you need Him to be right now for whatever, whatever it is that you need. And then two, we've got to believe, the Bible says you've got to believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. In other words, you've got to believe that He, that he is that and that He is that to you today. So, so, in other words, you have to believe that just like, just like you believe God for um, Andrew Womack or Smith Wigglesworth or um, Brother Hagen or whoever you want to throw out there, that, you know, any of those people, yeah, man, they could raise somebody from the dead, but Kenneth Copeland, you know, I, but I don't know, I don't, I don't know if I can or not. Well, then, then see, your faith, is, your faith is actually in a man and not in God. Does that make sense? Because you're saying, well, I believe that person could, but I don't think I could. Well, it's the same God in him and in you. So you've got to believe that God is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So if you have an expectation in your heart, if you say, okay, God, I believe that you could raise the dead. Now, that's a radical, that's a radical illustration. I mean, raising the dead is probably one of the, I mean, that's one that, you know, probably not very many people have seen that and, and, you know, I mean, in the natural, we've heard stories and stuff. But, but if, if we're going to believe, you know, what's the difference between raising the dead and healing cancer or healing, you know, uh, or, or providing money for a situation or something like that? To God, you know, here's the thing. Here's, we we, as, we as, as natural people, we put levels on stuff, just like we put levels on sin. Well, you know, if you tell a little white lie, that's here. But man, if you kill somebody, it's way up here. But guess what? In in the 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 scope of, in God's eyes, to miss the mark is to miss the mark, regardless of whether it's a little white lie or whether it's murder, right? I mean, it's it's the you know it, it's it, you're missing the mark. So we have to understand we have to understand here that that to have an expectation, you know, if we're going to become if, if 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 going back to my original question. If if we if if the Lord were to show up to each one of us personally tonight and say, I'm here, I'm here to make you what you believe. You know what you're truly expecting for, what your what your faith is really out there for. Then what would we become? Would we be just like we are, or or would we or would we have things that we're really expecting that we've prepared for, 
<coughs> you know, that we've prepared for to be able to, to be made into something else. Now, here, here's my challenge to you then in that. This weekend, um, you know, this weekend we, have, we, have, we actually have an opportunity. Now, this, this, you, can put this, you can put this into practice in any, uh, any scenario. Think about Jairus, the story of Jairus where, where Jairus' daughter is sick and, and he goes to Jesus and, and he, he tells Jesus, he meets, him at the, he meets him at the ship, getting off the ship. And he tells him, he says, if you'll come to my house and lay hands on my daughter, my daughter will be healed. And Jesus says, okay, I'll come. So, so they're walking, and no doubt Jairus is saying, come on, let's hurry, let's hurry, let's go, let's go. Well, in the meantime, as they're walking, all of a sudden Jesus stops. And, and he turns around, and he says, who touched me? And, of course, there's, there's a throng of people around him. And, you know, Jairus is probably sitting here saying, it don't matter who touched you, let's go. You know, come on, my daughter's sick. And, you know, we're almost there. We're, we're not far from there. You know, my daughter's sick. Just, just be with me just a little bit, you know. And so Jesus deals with this woman with the issue of blood, and she gets healed. And, and I'm sure Jairus is glad she's healed, but the whole time he's probably sitting here saying, come on, Jesus, come on, Jesus. And, and, then, and then the Bible says, while Jesus is ministering to this woman with the issue of blood, Jairus looks, looks over the hill and he sees two of his servants coming, or he sees some of his servants coming. And you know, you know as well as I do that he knew what that meant. You know, and his servants get closer and closer, and, and Jairus is probably telling Jesus, come on, Jesus, come on, Jesus. And when his servants get up here, his servants come up to him and they whisper in his ear, Jairus, don't bother Jesus anymore because, I hate to tell you this, but your daughter's dead. Now, Jairus is in a very interesting spot here because he has his answer, Jesus, who he, his belief is, if you, if Jesus, if you could just lay hands on my daughter, she'll be healed. But then the worst-case scenario is in this hand because now his servants come and says, it's too late, your daughter's dead. So Jairus is, Jairus is torn here. His servants is talking to him, telling him this. Before Jairus can say anything, before Jairus can open his mouth, the Bible... Let's just turn over there, Mark chapter 5. Because this... I love the amplified version of this. In Mark chapter 5. <clears throat> Mark chapter 5 in like verse 36. And we'll just put it up in the amplified. Um... Matthew 5:36 it says this. Well, look look at verse 35. It says while he was still speaking, while Jesus was still speaking or ministering to the woman of the issue of blood, there came some from the ruler's house who said to Jairus, "Your daughter has died. Why bother and distress the teacher any further?" So, he's got Jesus here. His you know, he's got the worst-case scenario on this side. Jesus is on this side, and now he has a choice to make. And notice what Jesus said. I love this in verse 36. Jesus said, the, the, the King James says, as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he, he said something to Jairus. The Amplified says this, overhearing but ignoring what they said. Overhearing. In other words, Jesus heard them tell Jairus, your daughter's dead. Don't, don't bother Jesus anymore. But notice Jesus, he doesn't even address that. He doesn't even say, oh, J.R., I'm so sorry your daughter's dead. 
You know, oh, man, if I'd only been 30 minutes earlier, I'm sorry. He didn't say that. He overheard it, and it says he ignored it, but he, he said they ignored what they said. But Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not be seized with alarm and struck with fear. Only keep on believing. And now I love the, 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 the King James says, the King James just says, Jesus told him, Be not afraid, only believe. So see, here's, here's where we are. Here's what Jesus told Jairus. Jairus, even though the worst case scenario happened to him, Jesus looked at Jairus and said, Only believe. And I, I, the reason I love the, the, the Amplified because it says, Jesus told him, said, Don't be seized with fear or alarm. Don't be seized with alarm or, or struck with fear. Only keep on believing. See, because fear and, and seized with alarm or, or terror or um, worry, things like that, that will stop your belief. So he said, don't be seized with fear, don't be overcome with fear or, or alarm, but just keep on believing. And when he said that, you know what happened? Jairus said, Jairus, I mean, it doesn't even say that he said anything, but he just probably looked at Jesus and says, okay. And, they, and he took Jesus onto his house, and what happened? Jesus laid hands on his daughter, and she was healed. And see, so here we have this, this expectation. Even though sometimes we see the worst-case scenario, even sometimes we, we don't understand it, if we will just simply believe what now... Now, here again, this, this word believe is not just, well, I sure hope this works out. This word believe is, I am expecting this to work out this way. I mean, I am convinced. I am, I am fully persuaded that what God said in His Word is real. So the question is, so the question is, you know, how do we, how do we get, uh, how do we get, you know, that belief, amen? And and how do we get that, uh, the expectation? And so for this weekend, for this weekend, we, for this weekend, we can say this. We can say, you know what? I'm going to believe, and I'm going to have that expectation that whatever I'm believing for is going to come to pass. Amen. And as we believe that, then we're going to we're going to experience the things of God. Amen. Amen. So we're going to so this weekend we are going to believe and we're expecting to see something. Amen. Now, what you might say, what are we expecting to see? Well, that's up to you. What do you want to see? What Now, here, here we have this opportunity. So, uh, Paul, let's stop that tape for just a second. <clears throat> or just stop the recording there.